This is Research Rank Repeat. I'm one of your co-hosts, Alyssa. This is Hannah. And we are back with another mini-episode. You might remember our episode we did on the movie Soul once that came out. We are continuing with the next installment in the Pixar movie franchise, being the 24th film, Luca. Luca. Now, this one is interesting because I knew very little about this movie. I essentially knew that I think I had seen like a trailer for it or part of a trailer. I knew it took place in Italy and I knew it was about like sea monster human world stuff. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, I really didn't have much to go on. Yeah, I had seen the trailer once on TV and that was pretty much it. But I basically knew the same of this is same. (laughs) I knew the same as what you knew. It's interesting because I feel like with a lot of other Pixar movies, you at least hear things and see things well before the movie actually comes out. Mm -hmm. But with this one, I feel like I only saw things like right before it came out. And then it was like, oh, it's coming out next week. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, because if I'm correct, it didn't come out in theaters. Mm -mm. So it's just it like soul. It did not come out in theaters in countries that had streaming. Right. So, like Soul, it was a direct-to-stream release, I guess, in the U.S. to Disney+. Plus. Correct. One, I'm wondering if maybe that's part of the reason why you don't hear a lot about it. Maybe. But I did hear more about Soul than I'd heard about Luca. Right. So. Yeah, so I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, you ready to get into it? Yes. So, Luca was released in 2021. It has a rating of PG and a an runtime of an hour and 41 minutes. Um, as I said again, it's the 24th film that Pixar has released. Getting close to that uh, 25th quarter just, century. Just like my age in a couple months. Yep. <laughs> We're cut that out. <laughs> We're not going to cut that out. Okay. So, just to give some background, this movie was um, directed by Enrico Casarosa. He is the first-time director for a feature-length film, so he's making his director, di- direct, <laughs> dictator, directorial <laughs> debut. Uh, he previously directed a Pixar short that premiered with the movie Brave. I didn't get the name of that down, but I did read about that. Just some fun facts for you, Hannah. He previously was a storyboard background and also artist, starting with uh, one of his first jobs was for the show PB&J Otter. Ooh. A staple of using our noodle as children. Yes. Gotta do the noodle dance. He also worked on Ice Age before moving to Pixar, where he then became um, storyboard artist and for, like, cars and an assortment of different things. But this is his first full-length Pixar movie he is directing. So this is also the first Pixar film that was made almost exclusively from their workers' homes due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm -hmm. The movie is set in the 1950s, 60s era of Italy, the Italian Riviera type feel. It draws inspiration from his childhood in Genoa, which is where uh, the girl... Julietta. Julietta. Julietta, where her mom lives and where she goes to school. So he said that the core, one of the core things from this uh, movie is, is that it is a celebration of friendship and it's roughly based on his friendship with his childhood friend, Alberto, who he met a lot on the beach in Italy when he was young. And he described himself as being kind of more shy and reserved. And Alberto was kind of like a troublemaker, you know, and more outgoing. And they just built a strong bond and friendship over that. His friend, 
Alberto actually uh, had a cameo as one of the voices of one of the village people, I think one of the fishermen in the movie. He said that he drew inspiration from Hayao Miyazaki, who um, is from Studio Ghibli, also Wes Anderson stop-motion films, and then also older Italian films from the, the time period. Interesting enough, John Ratzenberger does not have a voice role or a cameo in this film. Um, it was confirmed by the director himself on Twitter. Because in Soul, they said that they used his likeness as a character. He didn't actually have a speaking role in Soul, but he his likeness was used. Enrico said that he wanted to start a new tradition where Peter Stone, um, one of Pixar's employees, would appear in every film as a uh, credited voice actor. So... You can make of that what you will. I don't know if John Ratzenberger just doesn't want to voice act anymore or if, you know. There's no, like, concrete information on why he's no longer doing voice roles for Pixar. I have something more about the background, but I want to wait until we get to a specific point Mm -hmm. um, to address that. So it currently holds a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 71 out of 100 on Metacritic. Clearly, I have no information about the box office, and um, there also is no information about awards or, you know, anything like that, because it just came out within Mm -hmm. the last month. So (laughs) this I thought you might find interesting. The director, um, Enrico, has stated that he wants to do a Parent Trap-esque sequel to this movie, where uh, the kids are trying to get Massimo and his wife back together. Julietta's father and mother back together. Okay. And apparently, like, all of the cast is, like, on board and wants to do this. So it's possible we may see a sequel to this movie in the future. Right. Un- unknown now, but at, at current state. But that's the, the main background I have. But um, now I have a summary of the film. Also, just to say, all the background um, I got was from our favorite trusted site, Wikipedia. And the summary that I'm going to read to you comes from Disney Plus's website. Set in a seaside town on the Italian Riviera, Disney and Pixar's Luca is a coming-of-age story about a young boy experiencing an unforgettable summer. Luca shares those adventures with his friend, Alberto, but all the fun is threatened by a deeply held secret. They are sea monsters from another world below the water's surface. So... Right away, this gave me a very Finding Nemo feel. It's interesting you say that because right away, this gave me a very Little Mermaid feel. Okay. The reason I say Finding Nemo specifically is because obviously it's set in the water. And I'll just say I love how Pixar does water animation. Always great. But Marlin, um, Nemo's dad, was very apparent in Luca's mom. Yes. Who's you know voiced from my by the wonderful Maya Rudolph? Of course. But I I got that vibe right away, and it was only for the first maybe ten minutes, and then mm-hmm. you know it kind of branched off. But I that's immediately what I thought of. Yeah, so it's interesting that you say Finding Nemo because early on in the movie I was getting a lot of Little Mermaid vibes. The movie starts with a a boat attack where this group of fishermen are attacking a sea monster. Little Mermaid starts the exact mm-hmm. same way where. You have a group of fishermen and this fish escapes and goes back into the ocean. And once we go in under the sea, under the the sea, sea. Ariel is exploring and looking for human artifacts because she's enthralled and enchanted by the human world. You want thinamabobs? I I got got 20. 20. (laughs) 
And Luca is also discovering all of these human artifacts and collecting them, and he's entranced by the human world as well. Mm-hmm. So I just got a lot of really strong vibes. Now, certainly deviated in story, but like that was the influence I felt like early on in the movie. Mm-hmm. I think with this movie, like it was, it was interesting for me because partway through the movie, I was kind of like, okay. I like this movie, but parts of it for me were a little bit too, like, kid. Like, too... I think Pixar sometimes... They usually do a pretty good job at making movies that are interesting for both kids and adults. Yeah. And so partway through, I was like, oh, this is a little bit... feels a little bit too kiddish for me. But then there were also, like, throughout, there were things that were happening where I was like, you know what? I actually think it works for adults as well. And it's hard with these because this is the first time I've seen it. We just watched it last night. Right. So I don't, I guess I don't fully know how I feel about this movie yet. I kind of feel the same way. I had a note that I like thought the movie was like cute and kind of endearing about midway through, but that I didn't think it was like super great at that point when I was watching in the middle. Um, I agree that I can really see the like Studio Ghibli um, Miyazaki Mm -hmm. Inspiration. I don't know why I could not... I was trying to think of a word that could... The inspiration from that, because a lot of um, Studio Ghibli's movies are very, like, simplistic, you know, day-to-day life stories that are, like, really endearing and, as you said, kind of, like, childish in Mm -hmm. a way. But, like, sometimes that really works. Like, for instance, like, Kiki's Delivery Service or My Neighbor Totoro kind of deal where it's, like, this really kind of simple story but has this kind of, like, whimsical, like, youthful energy to it. Mm -hmm. So I saw a lot of that influence in this movie. I definitely think it feels very different from Pixar's normal formula. Yeah. um, In a lot of ways. Kind of similar to the way Soul felt. It kind of didn't follow the same general tropes that previous Pixar Mm -hmm. movies had done. This one kind of felt... But I got a lot of um, also like the good dinosaur vibes Mm -hmm. in terms of the way the story structure flowed. Now, don't get me wrong. It is nowhere near the good dinosaur levels of bad. And I'm not saying this movie is bad, but it just had a very, um, I think the simplicity worked for it. Yeah. Worked for this movie. And so there are a lot of things that I really liked. A lot of that coming to the character dynamics. Yeah. But there were some things that I... It didn't draw me in as much as some of the other movies have done from Pixar. I think if, just talking about some of the positives, just besides the characters, because I think we'll get into a little bit more details. Yeah, I think so. Um, I love the music throughout. So they initially hired, I was looking at the background, a, a well-known Italian um, composer, but he died before Ooh. they started production of the movie, so they got someone else to do it. But they used a lot of heavy Italian in- influence uh, mm-hmm. throughout the movie, um, or opera, a lot of pop and music. He wanted to try to get the feel from the 1950s, 60s. Right. So a lot of music that was um, popular around that time as well. And I thought that was really nice. I really enjoyed yeah. that. Um, I love the colors in this movie. I also really liked Luca's, like, imagination sequences. Yeah, those were fun. Where he was kind of, like, you know, envisioning himself. Um, I like the voice actors and actresses. I do too. I thought that they did a good job. Sometimes you have an issue where you can only focus on, like, the actor or actress. You right. get so caught up. I think everyone... And obviously, like, some of them have or have done uh, voice acting in the past. Right. I thought the, the kids were both good. I know Jacob Tremblay is Luca. Right. Um, I can't remember the name of the uh, Alfonso. Um, I can't either. Um, he was in the new It 
one of the okay. new It movies as one of the children. Same with Jacob Tremblay being um, from Room and yeah. amongst other things as well. They both both were really good uh, voice, like had good voice yeah. roles. And they said that they got to do a lot of like improvisation, improvisation mm-hmm. with Jacob Tremblay because they were able to work with him in the studio before COVID. So they got to have a lot of interactions with him, allowing, allowing him to give mm-hmm. his own kind of spin and personality to that role which i think is is really important for a child voice actor kind of the same way they did for like lilo from lilo and stitch good child actors like you have to let them be the character like and let them do the work you can't just like give them the lines and have them read it and i also really like Remind me again what, what Julieta's dad's name Massimo. is. Massimo. Massimo. I liked how he was born with a disability. Yeah. And how they just kind of slid that in there. And, you know, I like getting to see that sort of, like, representation. There's nice. a, a lot of themes of acceptance in this movie. Yeah. You know, being different. The under They call themselves the underdogs. So, like, that's kind of part of it as well. Let me just say first, because yeah. I think this movie is all about, you know, overcoming fear. Yes. Not letting fear drive you. And about finding out who you are right and so i think i mean i think we should just get into like yeah. the, the main thing about this movie yes. um so when I, I like we said i didn't know very much about this movie and within like the first 20 minutes i was like <laughs> i turned to Alyssa and i was like this you're getting gay vibes right you turned to me about halfway through the movie and you just were like i've written like five notes about the amount of like gay energy i right. felt in this movie and i i was like yes okay. i'm like i had like picked up on little tidbits here and there that I was like, interesting. This is part of the background that I wanted to save for this discussion. So I think we should talk about what we feel about it first, and right. then I can give a little bit of background. We we kind of talked a little bit last night. You can read it one of two ways, because throughout the movie, Alfonso is clearly seen being jealous of the relationship between Luca and Julieta. Yeah, very clearly, and yes. w- one way you read it is that he's jealous because he likes Luca. Yes. Like, in more than just a friendship right. way. Yes. Another way you can read it is, like, Alyssa was kind of saying, like, oh, maybe because he sees himself as, like, his, like, brother, and he's just jealous that he's being, his time is being taken away. Also because, as I had suspected pretty early on, but as we find out, um, Alberto's father has abandoned mm-hmm. him, and he's by himself, and now he has this friendship and, like, brotherhood with Luca that like he feels threatened right. by that he's going to abandon him as well right like, is, is another interpretation of the way you can see that it wasn't when we got to the last maybe 20 minutes of the film is real when I really started to see like what yeah. I thought was maybe more romantic scenes especially the end scene when he chases him on the train on the train and they hug and cry and Hannah and I were both crying yeah and, yeah and even the scene where he like basically risks his identity at the end with the bike race to help Luke out um and here's what I'll say this this is really difficult for me because I think that how do I want to say this so they're both younger they're maybe 12 13 like not teenagers but but like like older children yeah yeah like 10 11 12 ish I would say and so I think a lot of people at that age like maybe wouldn't know what their sexuality is right so i can possibly yeah possibly you some people you you hear know and some don't right and so i think part of me is like maybe they just both don't know how they feel and they just and maybe that's okay to just let it be like they like each other 
or they they share this close strong bond right and it doesn't necessarily have it could just be plutonic but right. it could also become romantic yeah you know, in but the future part of me is also a bit like if i were a 12 13 year old watching this movie i don't know that i would have picked up on it being more than just a friendship yeah I think you are right. Right. Because there's not enough there to really, like, make me be like, oh, they like each other, like, romantically. And I don't know, because Pixar's never had a, as far as I'm concerned, they've never had, like, a main character be in, like, the LGBTQ community. community. To my knowledge, no. They did have, like, a background character. But again, then it got... I think it was a background character because it was promptly cut from the, the Chinese, right. <laughs> Chinese release of this movie. I think it was in um, Onward okay. is when they had something. And but no, I don't believe there's any any known character on, on the spectrum right. or in the um, yeah community. And like what, like we talked about, Pixar, like when it comes to representation, they, they tend to lack. Yeah, because I mean, we Soul was our last movie, and we just got a predominantly black cast and director, and mm-hmm. inf- you know, strong like jazz influence, and it took twenty, twenty five, twenty six years for that to happen. Yeah, and so I just part of me is like a little bit bummed because I think you know representation matters, and I think right. it's especially important for kids to see representation, to see themselves, right. and to feel comfortable with who they are. And I wish that if if Pixar was going to do that, they would fully commit. But right. I also know the director said that it was not his intention well, for it. that's, this is the okay. background I have. So a lot of people have had um, many different interpretations, like seeing sea monsters as a stand-in for the LGBTQ community. People have also seen it as stand-ins for being a refugee mm-hmm. or like, or immigrants. And yes, as you said, the director says that that is unintentional. Like he did not intentionally create this because he was basing it on like a strong plutonic friendship that he had with his own friend. Like that was his influence and the direction, the way he went for it. But he also said that he is welcome to all interpretations. Mm-hmm. Like if, if this is how you see this relationship and this is how you want to interpret it, like feel free to do so. Like I don't, he was like, I don't have any issues with right. you interpreting it the way you want to, but it was not my intention to do this. Yeah. Which I'm like kind of glad he put a very, like was very direct because I'd rather it be clear than like, being this like oh maybe we did maybe we didn't kind like of deal. queer baiting like queer baiting yeah. exactly and also so it's it's definitely interesting and I think part of the reason why it's also it's hard because they're they are children you know like they're not adults you mm-hmm. know so it's hard to like I would love to see a Pixar movie that was very direct in its representation and not necessarily you know like lighthearted being okay with yourself and representation and, you know, feeling like you can't be yourself, like, like the sea monsters not being able to reveal Mm -hmm. themselves, um, for fear of rejection or, you know, hate or anger. And it's kind of similar to, um, a book. I think you, I don't know if you finished it, but we both read the house by the cerulean sea. I have not finished it yet, but I know. But that book, um, cause I'm, I'm in a book club and we were discussing that book as well and saying that it, it deals with themes of, it's kind of the same thing where it's this like more lighthearted take on it where it's like, oh, you know, they reveal themselves and then everyone's okay with it kind of deal mm-hmm. where it's like, it's not necessarily realistic, Yeah. but it also doesn't, the, the other thing we talked about is that something like this, um, the book, but also something like Luca is that it doesn't necessarily need to be realistic. Mm-hmm. It still can be its own 
thing and it doesn't necessarily have to be this like heavy-handed like interpretation so i'm not like upset like certainly i wish that it would be more like not the immediate change that we saw at the end of this movie Mm -hmm. where there's just like one person who's like the bad guy right and everyone else is like oh just okay everyone else is totally fine with this so it's like that's kind of hard for me but also i'm an adult and i'm not a child so i don't think it needs to be like that to still be fine yeah, I just, like, there were some some lines that I was, like, I don't know what the intention is. Like, there was a part where uh, Maya Rudolph's character is, like, some people will never accept him and that's mm-hmm. okay. And I was, like, is it meant because he's a sea monster or because of, like, yeah, you know, and then, like, Alf- uh, not Alfonso. Alberto. Uh, Alberto. We, yeah, we kept the we Alfonso, Alfonso yeah. Him at the end being, like, you got me off the island. I was, like, yeah. what does he mean by that? Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know, but I thought... You know, the ending was actually really good. We can get into that because that was my favorite scene. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if it was your favorite it scene. It was, okay. yeah. Are, are you, like, good with the rest of the, Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Because we can just jump over to favorites then if you No, want. I'm pretty good. I think we're good. Okay. So, yeah, my favorite scene was the end scene. I put in quotes, I cry. Yeah. Um, there's something so endearing about the fact that all they've been talking about this entire movie is getting this Vespa. They're like, we want this bike so we can travel the world and see everything you know it's what alberto wants because he's like you know doesn't have any family just wants to go and be with his friend and they get their vespa but then he sells it so he can get his friend luca he can get him a train ticket and money to go to school mm-hmm. and they send him to school and he's he's like where's your ticket and he's like well massimo um Juliet's dad asked me to stay here and help with like fishing and stuff and he's like and I'm gonna do that and you have this like really emotional farewell and goodbye scene that was way more touching than I thought it was going to be like again we both cried that got me the most like that mm-hmm. was the end of the movie like really got me because I like I said previously I'm like oh you know this is cute and it's fun and has good energy but like that one like I was like oh there's the punch right there at the end Everyone has that, like, having to say goodbye to someone, you know, that you really care about is tough and hard, Mm -hmm. and it's just, like, they did a really good job of interpreting that, but again, it's Pixar, and they're always good at those kind of emotional bonds and things like that. Right. Yeah, same for me. I think specifically the part where he's, like, saying, like, you got me off the island, like, in their last hug, like, it... It just means so much to both of them. Right. And and that's why I like it. And like you said, I was not expecting to just, like, start to cry. But, I mean, I should have been because it's Pixar. <laughs> like I said, it's, you know, they get you. Yeah. Uh, when you think you're okay, they get you. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I really like that. I think my favorite – we're kind of going out of order. But I think that's my fine. favorite line was kind of like a comedic moment. And so well. the, the villain – I guess the villain. I don't even remember what his name was. I didn't write it down. I don't know. He looks like a, like a rat – <laughs> he reminded me of the um, Earth Prince from Korra. Oh, Wu. Prince Wu. Wu. A little yeah, bit. Yeah, he was kind of like Prince Wu in a way. He was like your stereotypical, oh, I'm so much better than right. everyone. I'm going to cheat. And also I'm slimy and gross and like annoying. Yeah. Just like very, that's the one thing. He was very stereotypical. And I was like, I don't give a shit about you. Yeah. You're not interesting in any way, shape or form. But um, Luca is talking to him and he's like, I, I forgot what the entire thing was. Are you, is this the catfish comment? Yeah. Oh, the catfish. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so he said, he's talking about catfish. He's like, they're bottom feeders. And also they have two small, sad little whiskers. <laughs> yeah. 
this is my line as well. And he's like, you're like a catfish. And he's like, a catfish? And he's like, yeah, because they're bottom feeders and they have two sad little whiskers. Because mm-hmm. he had, like, a tiny little mustache. Right. he's supposed to be, like, a teenager, like, a little bit older. And it was funny. We, we both were like, oh. <laughs> like, I wasn't expecting that. It was just, like, a funny little quote. And I liked it. Yeah. So, favorite character. I had a really hard time because I was so torn between Luca and um, Alberto. Okay. I, th- I ended up going with Luca just because I so much relate to being, like, that classic anxious warrior and, like, yeah. letting the fear control you. And I also just think, like, it's it's fun to see a character find himself within a movie. I know it's not necessarily that realistic because I think the whole time span was, like, two weeks. Yeah. Or something right. like that. something like that. But it, it's fun to see that and it's fun to see him, like, get his courage and be at the end, like, going to a completely new place with basically not knowing anyone minus Julieta. Um, So I I liked him. So this was a weird one for me where I knew who my favorite character was. I didn't even have to think about it. And it's neither of the leads. I love Massimo. Julieta's dad is maybe one of my favorite Pixar characters ever, which is very strange. Um, He's certainly, I think, the best dad of any Pixar movie ever because you you meet him and he's this big burly silent fisherman you know he's missing an arm and he no questions asked just like accepts these two boys has no problem like letting them in taking them fishing making them work because you know they want to enter this race and he's like well money's tight I don't know if you can afford it and they're like well we'll work and he's like all right great I'll put you guys to work and what got me is when Alberto reveals himself to Julieta as a sea monster. She, you know, rightfully freaks out. He runs away because the villains are trying to give their harpoons. They go back to um, Julieta's house and Massimo is like, well, where's Alberto? And they're like, well, he's not coming. And he instinctively gets his hat and he goes out to look for him. Mm-hmm. And then, because um, Luca's like, I don't think he wants to be found. And Massimo's like, well, maybe he does. And just instinctively, without even a thought, goes out to look for Alberto. Because it's like he's already, like, become like his father. Mm -hmm. Which is why I understand why he stays with him in the end. Because he probably, this is the first person who's treated him, you know, with respect and looking out for him since his father left him. Um, An adult figure, I should say. And then at the end of the movie, he's just like this is Luca and this is Alberto. Like, has absolutely no problem being like, I know these boys, like, he's first on board with the acceptance. And we mm-hmm. love a dad who's accepting of everyone and everything. And I, t- when he went out looking for Alberto, I teared up. I was like, oh, like, my God. And I just, like, I don't know why that resonates so much with me, why I, like, really loved that character. And I like both the leads, too. Like, mm-hmm. I think Luca and Alberto are both really done characters, but there's just something about Massimo that really got me. Yeah. No, I agree, too. Like a really, definitely the best parent in Pixar. I think so. And I think definitely like a top contender for best Pixar character. Yeah, like he is, he's up there. So where would you rank this movie in terms of all the Pixar? Mm. So this one was hard for me because there's a lot of elements in this movie. Again, like I said with Massimo, the characters were really Mm -hmm. well done. But the story itself, it wasn't bad, but I wasn't as entertained or drawn in into this movie in this world as I was with other Pixar entries. So I thought it was going to go somewhere like mid-pack. I ended up putting it at 12th, which okay. for me is between Monsters, Inc. and Toy Story Okay. in my rankings. 
Because I put Soul, I think I put around six or seven. So previously Monsters, Inc. was 11, but it has now become 13. Um, Luca's 12, Toy Story's 11. And I kind of wanted to put it, like, slightly higher mid-pack because I was thinking, I'm like, okay, how do they feel about Onward? Because I knew Onward was somewhere around, like, 16, 15, and I liked it better than I liked Onward. And I'm like, but how does it compare to Soul? And I liked Soul better than I liked Luca. So I I went back and I, I listened to myself talk about the Pixar movies kind of in that, like, 15 to, like, 8, 9 range. And I just, the way I described the movies, I thought it made more sense to put it just outside the top 10. Yeah, that's fair. Um, So I put it in number 9. Okay. So that, for me, would be Cars 3 would be 8, Toy Story would be 10. Okay. I agree with you because Soul, I think I put around, like, 6. And then Onward, I know, was further down in my list. I really love all the characters in this movie. I think the story maybe not as strong. The reason I didn't put it above Cars 3 is because I thought Cars 3 overall was a stronger story. Yeah. But I think there's there's really a lot of heartwarming elements in this movie. There's, There's something so simplistic yet important about it, even if it's not necessarily like the representation I would like to see. But I think it's okay in what what the story is trying to tell right about just being accepting of people regardless of how you see that yeah and I think it's it is nice to see that in a Pixar movie because we really haven't had a movie that from Pixar specifically that's like focused on acceptance yeah. and like friendship in that way am I sad that we couldn't have had two women be the leads sure because Pixar really is still not great about having women leads in their movies and dealing with concepts that are like you could have had two women as the lead and Mm -hmm. you could have done the same story and had Julieta be a guy and I'm sorry to push like a feminist agenda or whatever no but it's Um, fair but uh, speaking as as a woman I would love to see more representation Mm -hmm. that fits me in Pixar Brave was 20 it was 10 years ago essentially Mm -hmm. We got Mrs. Incredible. Incredibles 2, yeah. Incredibles 2. Finding Dory, but... Yeah. I guess Inside Out, but there have been very few focused movies on, like, female characters. So I hope in the future we can get more of that. Because we always had a lot of male duos with Toy Story, Mm -hmm. with Monsters, Inc., with Cars. That it's just, like, we've seen that a lot and I just wish we could see more women. Yeah and I mean especially too since they were both white. Europe yes you're not necessarily getting the diversity you like in that. I mean to be fair though it's because it's based on the director and he's Italian well yeah so you would get yeah there's fine. That's just that's just my own personal opinion having now gone through 24 Pixar movies that I'm just like this is what I think we're lacking like it's nice to see things like this but I like I want more. Yeah like I was saying earlier I wish they would just fully commit to making it more representative and I think what so I think the last thing I just want to say is we just talked about you know how this is really the first time they've done a movie all about like acceptance and I think especially where we're at right now in the world like that's something that's important to see because there's just not a lot of that right now and so I think I think the thing I'm most disappointed about is is that they missed an opportunity to just go like full-fledged with this movie right yeah but i mean besides that you know it's not i thought it was still a good movie obviously it's in my top 10 yeah 
Um, so. I just wanted to see what the the upcoming Pixar movies that are coming out is. I forgot one of them is Lightyear. Oh, yes. So, again, that's going to be a male-focused Buzz Lightyear movie. The other one is titled Turning Red. Yeah, there's no... there's oh, No, sorry. I just noticed that we had a female director. Yes, we do have the now the first female reactor. Um, <laughs> director. Yes. What did I say? Reactor. Oh, sorry. <laughs> because the one had to drop out from Brave. Right. right. So, I think she is now going to be the... F- Again, the first female director in Pixar, yeah, turning red, and I don't. I just want to see if there's any information about it because it's supposed to come out um, in March. Oh, it's a girl, <gasps> and yes! it also looks like it's um, maybe Chinese or or Asian, Asian descent. Influence. Yeah. <gasps> oh, okay. So the director is Bao. the director of Bao. Yeah. The, sh- the the Pixar short. Yeah, which horrified us. But this is like this is good for yeah. me. This is like a it is promising. Yeah, I agree. Um, yes. Yeah. So uh, that's promising to see. It's um, also produced by um, a female Lindsay Collins. Lindsay Collins and, it looks yeah. like and Pete Doctor, but okay. Maybe. She also wrote and directed this okay. movie. Okay. Which so is, that'll be nice. Yeah, that'll be nice. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So that wraps up Pixar for us. Yep. Um, so we'll be back, I guess, in March uh, when Turning Red comes out, yeah. and I'm very excited to see what that's about yep and we'll be back next week with a new new episode yep and um if you want to reach us we have instagram twitter or email um thanks for listening and have a good day week year yep wednesday wednesday bye bye we would like to thank joseph mcdade for our intro music he provides free music available for all kinds of creative use the song that we used is called sunrise expedition and you can find it and his other music on his website, josephmcdade.com. If you would like to reach us, you can email us at r3podcasts at gmail.com. That's r, the number three, p-o-d-c-a-s-t-s at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Instagram by searching research rank repeat.